is Acts chapter 2. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, you look at Acts chapter 2, it will be on the screen as well. And it says, this. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a passage of scripture to look at. Let's pray. Lord, may these words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Speak, Lord, for your servants, Alison. Amen. Amen. Okay. So this morning, we are starting a new five-week series on bodybuilding. So by the end of this, we are going to be the meanest, leanest, fittest church on time slide. Amen? <laughs> I can see you're full of faith for this. When I say body, I of course mean the body of Christ, which is a term that the New Testament uses for the church. And the church is called the body of Christ because this, the spirit of Christ, wants to reproduce the life of Christ through the body of Christ. Do you fancy having a go at that one? Say that with me. The spirit of Christ wants to reproduce the life of Christ through the body of Christ. Got it? Okay, that was your practice go. Let's try it again. The Spirit of Christ wants to reproduce the life of Christ through the body of Christ. Yeah? In other words, Jesus intends to carry his mission in the world forward through us. What Jesus did in person when he's here, he now wants to carry on doing through his body, us. That is why it's the body of Christ. So, in this passage that we are looking at, Jesus ascended to heaven, and as he promised, 
He sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gave birth to the church. And Peter stood up, and he preached a sermon of great power. And so we're going to read together what happened next. So can you read with me? Acts 2, 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wouldn't you love it if we had services like that? Peter shared the gospel for the first time, and the gospel gave birth to 3,000 new believers. 3,000 people forgiven all of their sins and given new life. 3,000 people baptized and brought into the family of God. 3,000 people through whom God wanted to reach the world. This was the start of the church. The church was born of the gospel and born of mission. And the church was born for the gospel and born for mission. And the church was just this. It was the people, it was the word of God, and it was the spirit of God, and nothing else. That's all they had. They didn't have a building, they borrowed the temple, they hung out in the courts of the temple. They didn't have lots of money. They didn't have an institutional structure to support them. They didn't have any paid staff. It was them. It was God's spirit and God's word. And through them, a movement was planted that has gone on for 2,000 years, grown and grown and grown, and spread to almost every corner of the world. Wow. That is amazing. And this is really important for us to grasp. Because we are an independent Baptist church. We relate to an organisation called Baptist Union. Sometimes that's helpful to us when they're not trying to kill us. But they don't fund us. They don't employ our staff. And they aren't responsible for us. Our church is us. And God's word and God's spirit. And that is it. This church is the sum total of what we bring to it and what God in his grace chooses to do through his spirit, through our trust and obedience to him. There's no one else. There's no hidden rich thunder that we don't see other than God. There's no one coming to run missions for us. There's no one going to run home groups beyond this room. There's no one to preach other than the people who are in this church. If we believe the gospel, if we want to see the northeast redeemed and transformed by the gospel, then it's going to be our time and our talent and our treasure and God's grace that's going to make that happen. We're going to have to give ourselves completely to God and ask Him that through us, 
he might change the world. Yeah? I fancy about that. This church is us and God. And that's it. And we need him to take us and probably to break us, as he has been doing, and to bless us and to multiply us and through us to feed a multitude. But this church is us. And some of St. Mark's plates and pots. Thank you very much, St. Mark's. And Acts tells us what God can do through a little church of people who have God's word and God's spirit. Let's look at the elements of the early church together. Okay, that can work. There we are, that's better. Let's read this together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So we've got four things here. Firstly, the apostles' teaching. Now, for the early church, of course, they didn't have the New Testament. They had the apostles explaining what was going on in Jesus and how the Old Testament made sense of that. And the early church kept the letters that the apostles sent for them and they wrote down the teaching that they heard and that is what makes up our New Testament. So for us, being devoted to the Apostles' teaching means that we are devoted to listening to God through the Bible. That is why you are sitting here for 20 minutes and we're reading through this together and thinking about it. Because the Bible, understood with the help of God's Spirit who wrote it, is how we understand God. It's how we understand salvation. It's how we understand life. Because frankly, without the Bible, we are spiritually clueless. We don't know what's going on. The only reason that we understand something about God and what he's called us to and what he's made us for is because he has spoken through his word. That is how we know. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Second thing, the church was devoted to fellowship. Now, it's a very religious word, unless you have to go Lord of the Rings fan, in which case it also sneaks in there. But this word fellowship means literally a deep sharing of lives together. There's a verse in Romans 5 10 I really like. It's really difficult. It says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Devoted. Devoted is a very, very strong word, isn't it? Who am I devoted to in this church? Who is devoted to me? That is the calling that we have. That's why we have refreshments at the end of the service, and why I believe being together as friends at the end of the service is even more important than being at the service itself. This is why we have big nights in. This is why we have home groups. Refreshments and big nights in and home groups, they're not fellowship. But they are a context in which we can build that sharing of life with each other. So you don't just meet a complete stranger and start pouring out all your deep, inmost hopes and fears to them. 
but playing table tennis together, or pool, or sharing a meal together, or doing a jigsaw together, creates the kind of friendships that make that sort of thing become possible. That's where it's trying to get to. And that's why hanging out together is not a nice social activity as well as coming to church. It's becoming this community of people who are devoted to each other. Third thing the church was devoted to was the breaking of bread. This doesn't mean that the church was devoted to practicing rituals. What it means is that the church was devoted to the things that the rituals are supposed to point us towards. That through Jesus' death and resurrection, we've been brought together into a new family. The family that had been given Jesus' mission until he returns. And so when we share communion, that is what we are remembering. I keep on saying those like over and over and over again until you get absolutely sick of it. I say, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And I keep on saying it because it's absolutely central. And I keep on getting you to repeat it, don't I? Would you be so kind? Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. That is crucial. The truth that those words represent is the doorway to eternal life. It is the key that unlocks the meaning of life and the purpose and the destiny of our souls. Not just words. It's words that represent the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has made eternally real for us. Amen? The breaking of bread is very, very big. Final thing the church was devoted to was prayer. And this I feel for myself personally, it's one of my weakest suits. And I feel for the church, it's one that we really need to work on. I'm delighted that we are praying together before our services. I'm really pleased we've got the WhatsApp prayer group and we're praying for each other. I'm sure many of us are praying personally and growing in our own prayer life. But I feel like this is one to push forward on if we really believe in the resurrection power of Jesus being available to us. If we really believe, apart from him, we can do nothing. If we really believe those two things, I feel like I will pray more. But I don't want to get really down on myself for what I'm not doing. I want to celebrate the things that we are doing. So if it is some great things, let's remember that, let's celebrate that, and build from there. So there are four things the early church was devoted to. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. So now we are going to look at the experience of the early church. So let's read this together. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts 
praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. Stop. Thank you very much. Fantastic. That worked. Excellent. Here we get a taste of what life was like at the start of the church. We see awe. We see a shared life. We see daily fellowship flowing between church and home. And we see worship and favour of God's people. First, a sense of awe. Now, the early church was a time of spectacular miracles, wasn't it? I don't tend to see many spectacular miracles of the type described in the early church. But of course, the point of the miracles isn't the miracles are awesome. The point of the miracles is that the God who did the miracles is awesome. Yeah? They're pointing beyond themselves. It's easy to go hankering after miracles, but isn't it much, much better to go hankering after the amazing, awesome God of power and immediacy? I love this building. I love coming in here and being still. I don't know about you, but I find it really easy to sense God's presence here. Particularly when everything just stops. And in the silence, God is right there to meet us. And it's not because the building is special, but it might be something to do with the fact that people have been worshipping and praying and seeking God in this place for nearly 150 years. And that's why I like sometimes just to stop things in services and just have a moment or two of quiet. Because it's easy to come to a service, isn't it? And you get, you just go through the content. You sit on the content and the content travels you through the service. You get the other end, you get off and you go home and have a cup of coffee on the way. But when everything stops, either you think about what you're going to have for your lunch or you have the possibility of becoming aware of the presence of the holy and awesome God who is here, right now, in our midst. Church needs to be a place of not just going through the motions every Sunday, but of connecting with the reality of our awesome, holy, wonderful, joy-filled, all-powerful, ever-reigning, eternal creator, God. This needs to be a place of reverent joy. How do you put those two things together? I don't know, but let's work it out. Reverent joy. Secondly, it's hard to miss in this passage that the community held their possessions with an open hand. There was no possessiveness. Let's go back and look at that in three. There's no possessiveness. Hoarding has been displaced by generosity. These guys were really devoted to each other in love. And this flows into the third point. Fellowship flowing backwards and forth between people's homes and the church. These people behave like family. Do you know why they behave like family? Because they were a family. They all had God as their father. Being part of God's family had become every bit as real to them as being part of their natural family. Now if if we were to pursue these kind of relationships within the church in this society, which is so lonely, which is so isolated and so fragmented, that is to be noticed. 
messy only do it from a sunbed shuttle the door so no one else can get in, yeah? These kind of relationships are the kind of relationships that will demonstrate to the world that Jesus has changed our lives. Lastly, worship and favour. This was a church marked by gratitude. And this seems to go together with enjoying the favour of all people. This is a big challenge for us, isn't it? Particularly at the moment. Because the trauma of COVID has left most of us somewhat burnt out, dysregulated, and frankly, grumpy. <laughs> yeah? Not just here, it's everywhere. The whole society is stuck in this at the moment. Um, if you work in a public-facing job, you will know our culture is pretty grumpy at the moment. And I don't know about you, but for myself, the place I find it easiest to be rude and grumpy is with the people I know best. It's not flattering, but I'm not trying to impress anyone particularly there, and so the raw me just comes out in all its ingloriousness. And so, if church is working, that means it's quite likely that this is a place where it's easy to offload our frustration. And so our challenge is we're all frustrated, we're all tired, everything is niggling all the time, can we build a community of gratitude and of service and of building people up? Can we create a community of joy in the middle of this world when we read about all the things we're praying about at the start of the service? That'd be good, wouldn't it? Fancy a bit of joy? I feel the need for a bit of joy. So the church was born for gospel and mission, and the gospel was born for the gospel and mission. The church was simply God's people, God's word, and God's spirit. Those were the raw materials that changed the world. And that is why we are sitting here this morning. The church was devoted to the word, to the fellowship, to the communion and prayer. And they experienced awe and wonder, a shared life flowing between church and home, worship and favour. Let's see where that read. Let's leave. I said, stop, in the middle of that. Let's read the end of this, shall we, from Anne the Lord. And the Lord added to that number daily those who have been saved. Let's read that again. And the Lord added to that number daily those who have been saved. Let's read that again. And the Lord added to that number daily those who have been saved. Can you imagine? Can you imagine seven baptisms a week or more? That would be unbelievable. Wouldn't you want to be a community, part of a community like that? In many ways, the world of the early church was just like our world. People looked at this utterly extraordinary family, full of awe and wonder, doing life together, worshipping God, filled with generosity and thanks. Just couldn't resist it just wanted to be a part of it. That was life as it was meant to be. Now, if we go on, and we read on in the New Testament, we are reminded, of course, that the early church had all the problems that we have and more so. And it was a glorious mess. But in the middle of that glorious mess was a wonderful, gracious God of life and of love who was bringing real change. 
So, are we up to trying to build a family that looks a little bit more like your church? I would, yes, bring it on. But if I would, then I have to remember that I can't hope that someone else is going to do it for me. It's me, it's God's word and God's spirit. It's us and God's word and God's spirit. And if I actually want it to happen, then this has to get higher up, high enough up my priority list so it actually happens. And it actually starts to affect <coughs> my time and my talents and my treasure. It's God who will multiply what we've got to feed the multitudes. But it starts with us bringing ourselves together to him and saying, here we are, Lord. Please use us. Maybe there are some things that are competing at the moment for our time, our talents, and our treasure. It's a battleground. It is. Life is busy and distracting. And it will get us and continuing to away at us as we keep coming back, saying, here we are, Lord. So we'd like to stand. Here we are, Lord. We open our hands and our lives to you.